0: Thank you, Martin. Just head on to the next one. That's all right. Not uncommonly, when you're asked to come and um, give a talk to people, uh, there are times when you haven't experienced it. So we talk about the second world where I wasn't here around then. And the topic today, however, fear is something I can say, that I experience and everybody does as well. The question is, how do I deal with it? So the series is called Inside Out and I suppose it's from the inside and then it manifests outside what we will do. So one of the first things to say is fear in itself as emotions go is not necessarily a bad thing. Now you won't all be able to see this um, watching online, but there's a young lad who is fearless and is gonna find out why fear is a good a good reason. And, and if we go through life being completely fearless, we will end up doing very silly and sometimes very harmful things, not just to ourselves, but to people around us. The next picture is of this chap and don't you just hate people who manage to get out and cycle up strong hills while you're still there trying to flick the remote control. And some days, it's very hard to find motivation. And this is a very motivated chap, but you can see why he's motivated. (laughs) And um, Fear again is something that sometimes helps us to do what it is we've been putting off for too long. So some days it's hard to find motivation and fear sometimes is that motivation that moves you on. But as Becky told us last week, Sometimes the problem actually isn't the emotion, it's what the emotion does to us or what we do about the emotion. And fear sometimes gets us to control everything. We just don't want to be scared. We control every single thing, but that's impossible. And when fear rules your life, it will never be satisfied. You will continually be almost enslaved to that. So there are lots of things we are scared of, um, heights, I just hate going up in an aeroplane. I don't believe man was meant to fly, um, but also I can't swim and I don't believe man was meant to float. So again, um, it's, it's really what we do with it. Um, I thought I'd address this by what are the things we tend to fear? There's some things which are common to just about all of us. One of them is the fear of dying. And there's a lady called Jennifer Reese Larkham, who I didn't know about until at the Connect and Faith group Helen Roughhead mentioned about her son Justin. And and, um, she was being interviewed, Jennifer, by Canon J. John, and she was talking about death. And she said, I've suddenly realized life is all about not down here at all. Life's all about the next bit, the gorgeous bit. Jesus talked a lot about that gorgeous bit, and it's going to be beautiful, and simply I can't wait. That was Jennifer's take on it. It's not everybody's take on it, um, but Christ did talk about the fear of about dying, and just around the time he was going to be crucified, Christ had what we call as the Last Supper, a meal with his friends, and then he spent some time talking to them. So one of the things he told them after he told them he was going to die, is that don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. I'd like you to picture yourselves being in that scene, somebody you've known as a mentor and friend. You've always been comfortable and safe in his presence, tells you they're about to leave. But he says, look, where I'm going, I'm going to come and get you to come and be with me. And this would be something that will be comforting to us if only we knew and trusted this individual. So when we hear those words today, why should we receive the same comfort they did? Well, why would I want to be with him? I'll take you back to Easter, and Christ is about to be crucified. In fact, he's on the cross, and there are two other criminals with him. Christ is there, and one of the people on one side says to him, if you're God, why don't you save yourself and save us? In very derogatory terms. The second one says, don't you talk to him that way. He's done no wrong. And it t- turns to Jesus and says, when you get to heaven, or words to that effect, when you get to heaven, please remember me. We're not told in the Bible if this person knew Christ before, was an acquaintance, we're not given that. We're just told about somebody who was next to Christ in a very difficult setting and there was something about Jesus that made him want to be with him. We know about John 3.16 and a bit more about that later. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son to come that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. But I've also been interested in John three seventeen. the following verse. It almost tells us the reason why God sent his son, not to condemn us, but to save us. And we need to remember that because if I'm in a difficult place, about to be judged, it's nice to be with someone who's not looking to condemn me, but to save me. There's a country and western song which I was I'm just not technologically able. I was hoping to link it here for us to listen to it, um, but it's six minutes long, and that um, <laughs> might be. But it says he was thinking of me all the way to Calvary. He suffered and died so that I could have life. He was thinking of me. Don't know about you, but sometimes I read that as he was thinking of us or he was thinking of them. Important for you to go back to realize he was thinking of you make it personal. He suffered and died so that I could have life. He was thinking of me. And we will come to periods in our life when we're just alone, things are looking pretty difficult and it's helpful to remember God was thinking of us. Why would we want to be with him? For those reasons, if nothing else. But, there were also some people who were quite close to him, his disciples, and one of them, John, writes and says, the word, Jesus, became flesh, made his dwelling among us. John says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's interesting, God, John didn't say full of power, Full of. he said he was full of grace and truth. There were other people who also encountered Jesus. Um, Wherever he went, he taught people. And they said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not like their teachers of the law. Jesus didn't speak like the others. I've put down there, we tend to speak better than we live it out. As Christians, we sometimes speak the truth, but with no grace. And there are other times we try to live gracious lives, but it's a lie. Jesus was full of grace and truth. One of the reasons why we tend not to live lives full of grace and truth is sometimes fear of being judged by others. All of you would have experienced this at different times in in, in your lives. Um, Watergate... uh, The the term, it resonates with many people, but I was just reading again about it, preparing this, and apparently people broke into the Democratic headquarters at Watergate, stole things, and it turned out these people were linked to the group that were trying to reelect Nixon. That wasn't the problem. It was more that Nixon did just about everything he could to not let the truth get out a bit more, more, and the more he kept covering up, the more difficult it was. He was very scared of the consequences of what would happen. In the end, he had to resign. A bit closer to home is a COVID crisis. And this one for me again, is, it's, it resonates more well because Watergate I heard of, but can't quite remember much of this we lived through. So there's this, this um, thing on Sky Atlantic called This England, some of you might have watched it, others might not, I've been riveted to it. Not because I think it's true, but because I can actually go, no, that isn't true. (laughs) And actually feel like if I know what I'm saying. But the bit there which gets me is how the government tried to respond to the crisis. And there were times when they just weren't sure they could tell us the truth. So they would get a focus group And if they thought the focus group wouldn't sit for it, they would find a way to help us um, get news, which wasn't clearly true, but what they thought we needed to hear. And there was this thing about, we have focus grouped it. And because you focus grouped it, therefore that's what people need to. Again, I, I don't know that the government was necessarily wrong. There are times when we are the sort of people who just want to hear a certain kind of news, not the truth and maybe we were being given what we truly were asking for. But this fear of being judged by others leads us to do sometimes very silly things, fear of what the consequences might be. I don't know if I've told you the story of when I was growing up, my younger brother and I went to um, a neighbor's house and my mum had told us, don't go and eat in neighbor's houses. It'll be like if I have not fed you. Anyhow, we're there playing and we're really quite young and, and, and the food just smells so good. And, and um, they offered it to us and we ate. And as we're going home, I'm the older one and my younger brother's there with me. I think I might've been six or seven years old. And I knew when we got home, he was just going to blab. And so I got there and, and I told my mum. I said, we went out and he ate. <laughs> <laughs> and my brother looked at me and said, but you did too. And and, and and my mum said those eternal words, go and wait for your father to get home. Um, just that fear leads us to do very odd things. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. But be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell if you're going to be scared of anyone, to fear anyone, fear God. But then Jesus tells us about God. He says... Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. To God, you are worth a huge amount. You're worth more than many sparrows. This person you're asked to fear loves you so much. And in Proverbs, it says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. So we are going to have those experiences again, where we're scared about what the consequences and the temptation would therefore be to lie, to not be gracious and not be truthful. Just remember fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. The other thing I tend to fear is facing difficult situations. an exam when you haven't read. Uh, You have this very difficult conversation, you know it's just coming and you're not looking forward to it at all. Jesus sent his disciples out, spent a lot of time with them, but told them they would face persecution. And he said, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Um, when I was training, I was working in a particular hospital and got to know a particular patient and his family. And then I moved as junior doctors do, moved to another hospital very close by. And this chap, it must've been a year or two later, got admitted there uh, unwell. And he and the family saw me and it was like, oh, thank goodness, at least somebody we know. And he was unwell for a few days. And then I happened to be on call in an evening and he had a cardiac arrest and he died. And I was the person who was around. And I remember wondering how I was gonna break it to his family. And I'm walking that walk and just praying, God, please give me the words. And I walked in, sat down and somebody had already told them he'd passed away. I walked out about five minutes later. And what happened in that room was when I got in, they were comforting me. They were saying it was just so good. There was somebody he knew around him. Uh, thank you for everything you did. And, and when I walked out, I realized I'd not sent a single word. God does that sometimes with us. The fear of the situation might make us do silly things, but if we just trust him, sometimes the answer actually just blows us away you're likely to either be facing a difficult situation, a discussion you don't want to have or don't quite know how to say it. Again, I I would just look to you to trust God. If he's led you into that setting, he'll also give you the wisdom, the wisdom to go through it. Sorry, I just need to move this forward. One of the other things uh, that we're definitely facing at the moment, you can't go five minutes without hearing of the cost of living crisis. And it's this fear that we may not be able to face or cope with today, or maybe even tomorrow. And I, I took this from the BBC website. It talks about people who might be able to help and they call them their experts, but, but they're talking about things like rising prices, energy bills, rent, energy-saving tips, and they've, they've got some ideas to help you understand it, or maybe to even cope with it. And even if you're not living through that, you probably know somebody who is, and things are definitely changing and unlikely to be as easy as they were. Faced with this, it, it would seem reasonable to be at least concerned about, will I be able to pay my bills next week? So let's see what Jesus had to say about this. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. I'll pause a bit there. In the word for today, I think it was yesterday, or one of the devotionals I read, it said, don't read that too quickly and run pause a bit and think life is more than food and the body more than clothes. And and there are times when I'd read that and go on, but two years ago-ish I contracted COVID and was really quite unwell with it. And at that time, you know, just even the thought of food, no, not at all. Life just seemed much more than food. I was just so tired, so weak. This wasn't a question of a gourmet meal. It was just anything I could put down. And when it comes to it, life truly is more than fighting over what food I might have. It's slightly different if you don't have food. But Christ is asking us to put this in context, the body more important than the clothes you're wearing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And again, Christ reminds us we are much more valuable to God than we know. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? you of little faith. And it's, it's him just trying to remind us again about God and the fact God cares for us. And then he tells us, don't set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about it for the pagan world or interpret that as people who don't know God run after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. Christ isn't saying that we don't need them. He's saying that God knows you need them, but seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. We sing the song, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And and you wouldn't be the first person who tries to work out, but what is the kingdom of God? What is this thing I'm supposed to seek? Christ says in the next line, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Even that which you're worrying or wondering about, your father's ready to give you. Don't worry. The way I interpret this is, your child, your nephew coming to you and asking for something. And you look and you go, I know you need these things. I know I've got it all sorted, I'll provide for you. But why don't you just turn to me? Because I see you've gone around the neighbors asking for this. You're doing all sorts of things to get them. When you just need to come to me, I'll provide all this for you. Another way to look at it is, If we got everything we needed but didn't have God, it's worthless. Get God first. Everything else will come. Without him, whatever it is you've got just isn't worth it. Christ says to them, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that won't wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember I told you Jesus didn't speak like the others, and we tend to speak better than we live it out? I'm not an economist, and you'll be glad to know that. But can you imagine if Jeremy Hunt, the chancellor's speech on Thursday was to the nation, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There will be lots of Christians there going next. Christ's words ring true. We just don't think they will work for us. We tend to speak it better than we live it out. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Again, I talk about not being an economist, but there was somebody who said we've had a pay rise, but it's not quite as much as inflation is. And you can either keep paying more or bring inflation down. I don't understand this, but what I don't, no is why things which cost a certain amount 10 years ago must be more expensive 10 years later. But we accept that. Um, Don't vote me in for chancellor. Coming towards the end, talked about a few things which I think are common to us with regards to fear. But there is one that I personally struggle with Maybe others, and and it's that fear that God will not answer our prayers. So Christ said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, There have been times you've prayed and it doesn't seem as if God has answered your prayers. And that's not you making it up. It's an experience you've lived. As far as you can see, your prayers haven't been answered. And then you understand that God's will is sovereign. And you might then take an attitude like I've done, not unusually, where I go to pray to God. And I say, almost, but you don't need to do it if you don't want to. And I think what I'm telling him is I'm not sure if you'll do it. I've said the words and I'll be happy to live with it, but I'm just not sure that you will do it or that you'll do it for me. And, and, and again, sometimes making these things quite practical is useful. So you're a parent and your child comes to you. Dad, I'd really love you to help me do this, but it's all right if you don't want to do it. It's okay. I've already spoken to the neighbors and they say that they're going to, help, but I thought I'd tell you anyway. I I can't see how God looking at us and knowing our heart, even as we're mouthing those, feels honored. And we need to get back to the words Jesus said. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And we just need to trust him rather than begin to make excuses for why it has no, just trust him. Dad, this is really what i'd want and i'm just going to leave it with you and you walk away and you look at your child and you know they've left it with you that's even more that makes you want to do it for them the trust they've put in you but there is that fear that i've had that although we say the prayers god may not answer he will and 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 please don't develop an attitude which you mouth the words but don't believe what you're saying I'd sooner you actually believed and trusted that in his time, he will make all things beautiful. So some of the words, uh, um, things that Becky um, kindly provided, says it seems ridiculous and almost offensive that one of the most common phrases in the Bible is do not worry. Isn't that a little naive and oversimplified? Or is it possible there's an antidote to the controlling power of fear? After Jesus' life on earth, there was an explosion of activity by a growing group of Jesus followers who seemed to have overcome the barrier of fear and risked their own lives for the sake of sharing the good news about Jesus. So what was this good news that overcame the power of fear? I thought about this and um, my feeling about it was that that they understood about God's love. John three sixteen reminds us that God loved the world so much. He gave his one and only son that we shouldn't perish, but have eternal life. And, and again, John writing later tells people about love. And, and he says, this perfect love expels all fear. If we understood God's love, we would truly have nothing to fear. But there are times when having understood it, we get into a situation and we've forgotten and Christ says, He will give us His Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. God's Spirit is with us, God's Spirit is in us. I, I, I look at the whole hole that's sitting in front of me at the moment and I remember Christ's words where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. And I play a game sometimes and wonder which chair he's sitting on. Um, so as I set out the chairs in the morning, you can imagine thinking maybe this one, <laughs> maybe the other. But God is here with us, and, and, and he will he, he will remind us of the fact he's here, and, and he's got this. And after having spoken to his disciples and told, telling them he was going, Christ left them one thing. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'd like to pray for all of us now, just before we, um, I, I hand back. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for all of us here who are facing different things, which make us afraid. Heavenly Father, help us to hold on to your words. Please give us your peace, in Jesus' name. Amen. As you see and hear about the troubles in the world, are you afraid of what tomorrow holds? Have you had times when your fear of what people might think has stopped you from doing the right thing? Is your relationship with God developing such that you trust him to answer your prayers when you take them to him?